Uh, if you've ever just studied through one book of the Bible, you kind of get to take some time to just stop and dig into different passages, more so than you do if you're just kind of casually reading through and trying to make it through your Bible in a year. And one of the, I guess, preaching through a book of the Bible, there's some challenges and, there's, and, the, and then there's some benefits to preaching through a book of the Bible. When, when you're tied to one book of the Bible, you can't necessarily bounce from Scripture to Scripture. You can't necessarily bounce from topic to topic however you want. So, so there's some benefits in the sense of I don't have to come up with the topic, and, and you can't accuse me of pointing you out for something you've done. Um, but there's some, also some challenges because you come across some passages sometimes and you just scratch your head as you're reading it and you're just, how am I supposed to preach that? <laughs> what am I supposed to preach when I preach that? And tonight is one of those passages that over the last several weeks I've just been scratching my head and I couldn't figure out what to tell you. Uh, quite honestly, or what even Paul was trying to get across for the longest time. And I would read books, I would read commentaries, I would, I would talk to people, I would, I would pray, I would just keep reading the same passage of Scripture just over and over and over again. And for, for, about, a, for uh, about a week ago, I still had nothing. On Wednesday night, I still had nothing. It's getting to the point where I was getting desperate, and I was thinking, I'm going to have to call somebody else. I'm going to have to get Ryland to preach or something. I, I'm not going to be able to say anything of any value. But then on Thursday, the Lord just kind of uh, laid a burden on my heart from this passage of Scripture. And so I know tonight that what I'm about to preach is what He wants me to preach. And, I'm, and I've been asking the Lord ever since He laid this on my heart to allow me to preach it through his power and through his spirit. I, I don't want you to go away tonight thinking, wow, Jacob's a great speaker. I, I want you to go away really just taking hold of what God has for us in his word. And so if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Chronicles, or not 1 Chronicles, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1, but before we do, I just want to give you a little bit of a reminder of where we are. Paul is writing this letter to the church of God at Corinth. And if you remember back in Acts chapter number 18, Paul actually founded this church. He started this church back in um, Acts chapter number 18. And after spending a year and a half there in Corinth and ministering to the people there and preaching and performing miracles uh, there, he left and departed and traveled to Syria. And then he went down to Ephesus, and then he came to Caesarea and down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there in Antioch, the Bible tells us that he went over all the countries of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. And then he made his way back to Ephesus, we find, after that travel, after he went from city to city. And Ephesus is where many believe Paul wrote this letter from. After receiving a troubling letter from the household of Chloe, um, if you remember back in the beginning of this, he said the household of Chloe told him that there were contentions among the brethren. And Paul receives this worrying letter that there are some divisions starting to happen in this church that he founded. And there's some really grave, sinful things that are going on in this church, and, and they need some help. And so Paul decides to write to them, to this church that he founded. And he writes this letter, and if you remember um, way back to when we started this book, when I started preaching through this book, if you remember, Paul reminds the struggling church in chapter number one, first and foremost, of who they are in Christ. 
he, he tells them that they are the church of God at Corinth. That it's not their church, it's not a man's church, it is God's church. And that they are sanctified by God or set apart by God and called to fulfill a specific purpose. They've been placed there in their town of Corinth by God to live holy lives and to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that is still who we are today. We are still right here in our midst. This is the church of God in Fort Mill. And we are sanctified and called to live holy lives and to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our job. Not only that, but Paul reminds them that God has also given them everything they need to accomplish the work that he has called them to do. He has given them his grace, he reminds them of that. He has given them his word to guide them and sustain them when the going gets tough. He's given them his spirit to dwell within them and gifts to minister one to another. And Paul even says that this is a church that came behind in no gift. If you, in, in verse number six of chapter number one, Paul says that this church came behind in no gift. This was a church that very much had all the tools to be a successful church, and yet they were failing. And the reason they were failing is because they had gotten away from their purpose, from their mission, from what it was that they were meant to do there in that city of Corinth. And I believe today that one of the reasons we as the modern-day American church don't see God work the way that perhaps he did in the book of Acts and in the early churches, because we too have lost sight of what our purpose is. We've gotten away from what it is God has left us here to do. A, a couple weeks ago, we, we saw that Paul even had to remind these believers of, that Jesus was, all, that was everything they needed, that he was made unto them wisdom and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And he continues this thought of Jesus being all to us here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, in verse number 1, and he says these words, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. And in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith, verse 5 says, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I think what the church needs, I think what we need tonight is a reset. Because as a whole, the modern day church has gotten away from its purpose. We've lost sight of what it is we've been called to do. And so this evening, with the time that I have, I would like to draw our attention back to what our real purpose is. Why are we here? What is it that God has left us here to do? Are we, are we here just to have a good time, or has God given us a job to do? If we were to take a survey, I don't like taking surveys because you get too many people's opinions, but if we were to take a survey and we were to ask people, what is the purpose of church? I think we would get a lot of different answers, don't you? I think even in, amongst ourselves, even in this church, amongst people in this room, if we were to go through tonight and ask each person, what is the purpose 
of church. I think even in a room like this, we would get a lot of different answers. There would be some, maybe not in this room, but there would be some that we would ask, and they would say that the purpose of church is to entertain us. There are a lot of people today that believe that's all church is, is to entertain us, to put on a show. There would be others that say, oh, no, the church is more like a social club. It's a place to make friends. It's a place to find your spouse. It's a place to just have a good time of fellowship. That's what church is. It's just a place to gather together with other people and to just fellowship one with another. Others would say, no, no, that's not what the church is. The church is a charity organization. It's a place where people can go to get help. It's a place where people that need help can find help by the church providing food and and shelter and, and, and occasionally some money to help those that have fallen on unfortunate times. We get people that call the church every week wanting money, wanting some help. Some of them are probably sincere and others are probably just trying to take advantage of Christians who they know more more times than not will just give out money because we're to help those that are in need. But there are those who view the church as nothing more than a charity organization that gives handouts to people who need help. But is that what the church is? Is that all we are? Are we just a knockoff rock concert? Are we just a group of people who gather together, play some games, sing some songs, hear an inspirational message, and eat some food, and then give to those who are less fortunate? Paul writes to a church who has lost sight of their purpose, and he reminds them of how he came to them back when he founded them, back when he started the church at Corinth. And in verse number one of chapter number two, he says, And I, brethren, remember when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the gospel of God. In other words, Paul says, when I came back in Acts chapter number 18, I didn't come to entertain you with impressive speech. I didn't come to show off my wisdom or my knowledge. He says in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You say, what does that mean? Well, if you would, look back with me at verse number 17 in chapter number 1, because I I believe personally that this thought actually starts back in chapter number 1. And in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, in verse number 17, Paul writes these words. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then here in chapter number 2, he continues this thought, and he says, Remember, brethren, when I came unto you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, 
declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit of power, or of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul says very clearly to this church, he says the purpose of church is not to entertain or to show off man's wisdom. The purpose of church is not to help those by providing food or shelter or giving money. The purpose of church is not to make friends or to find a spouse or or to even provide an education. No, Paul says the purpose of church is one thing and one thing only, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. In fact, throughout this book, Paul will reference or use the words gospel or proclaiming the gospel or hide not the gospel or hinder not the gospel over and over and over and over again. Because the gospel is a theme that permeates this book. Paul will say in in chapter 15, he will explain what the gospel is. And Paul was determined, especially in this letter, but pretty much throughout his entire ministry, Paul was determined to keep Christ the focus and nothing else. So the purpose of us gathering tonight, the purpose of us being here is so that we as a church family can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back in the book of Matthew, before Jesus ascended into heaven after his resurrection from the dead, he left his disciples with one final command. Most of the time we only talk about it during missions month, but we call it the Great Commission. And you can find it in Matthew chapter number 28, verse 18 through 20. And if you want to turn there with me, you can, because we're going to notice a few things from that passage of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, Jesus said unto his disciples, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, this is the last thing he told them before he left heaven, before he left to heaven, after being raised from the dead, he said, all power is given unto me. And in Acts chapter 8, or not Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, he'll explain that this Holy Spirit will come upon you. You shall receive power. And that Spirit is coming to give you power so that you can be a witness unto me. So you can do what I told you to do back in Matthew 28, which is to go, therefore, and teach all nations. Teach them what? Teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then when they believe, when they get saved, then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. And we'll get to the second part later on tonight, but the book of Mark puts um, the Great Commission this way. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, Mark says very simply, he's in, in the words of Jesus, but this is his account of it. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our purpose, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And while some may claim or try to claim that this command is only for those in ministry, a simple study of church history proves that the early church saw this command as a corporate command. You go read the book of Acts. You turn with me, uh, or you don't have to turn with me, but if you want to, uh, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter number 8, after Stephen has been stoned, Stephen preaches this great message uh, to the Jewish council, and, and, and they, they rush upon him because he's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they don't want to hear it. They stop their ears. They gnash on him with their teeth. They drag him outside of the city. They lay their coats at the man by the name of Saul, who will later be known as Paul, and they drag him out of the city. They stone him to death, and after Stephen dies, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 1, that at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria. And then what's that next couple words? Except who? Except the apostles. So everybody's scattered abroad. Everybody's going everywhere except the ministers, except the apostles. It go, he, uh, a couple verses down, uh, the Bible explains what they did, and it will say, and they that were scattered abroad, those ordinary believers, not the apostles, went everywhere preaching the word. The early church clearly saw the Great Commission as a personal responsibility that each one of them had a part in. In Acts chapter number 11, we find that these believers that were scattered abroad traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. But some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, which is where they were first called Christians, when they were come at at the persecution of Stephen, they spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. You see, the command to go into all the world is not just for missionaries. It's not just for mission month. It's not just for me as your youth pastor or Pastor Parrish or Bob, since we're on staff and we're getting paid to do it. No, the command is for each and every single one of us who are born again to go to our work, to go to our communities, to go to our neighbors and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them personally. But the church has lost its focus today. The church has lost sight of that purpose. Over the last several decades, the church has become inwardly focused. We've been so consumed on ourselves and the people within these walls that we've forgotten about the people out there. As a result, many churches have fallen on difficult times. Many churches all across this country are in a serious state of decline to the point that many of them are on the verge of closing. According to a Pew survey conducted December 14, 2021, just a few years ago, attendance or affiliation among, or church attendance or affiliation among Protestants, which they define as Um, non-denominational Christians, people who describe themselves as just Christians, along with Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, and many members of other denominations. So it's a wide scope that they they polled. But among those groups, and Baptists are one of them, church attendance or affiliation among families has dropped four percentage points over the last five years and ten points over the last ten years. 
And although these statistics is a wide group, it's not just independent fundamental Baptists, it is indicative or it is um, an indicator that we as a church have failed in our purpose to reach the world with the gospel. We're failing to reach our communities. We're failing to bring people in and to preach the gospel to them. And I would submit to you that one reason we're failing is because we're just not doing it. We have the power to do it. Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. But we're not winning. We're not seeing victories. We're not seeing people get baptized because we're not sharing the gospel. While millions of people right here in our own country and billions more all around the world are perishing into a godless eternity, we as a church have poured our energy into good projects, but not the best project. Like the church at Corinth, we've fallen into petty arguments about what color we're going to change the carpet to. And I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I fall into that petty argument. We've fallen into petty arguments as a church and had divisions within and fractures within about what songs we sing, what hymnals we sing out of, what what color we're going to paint the walls, whatever the case may be. All the while, we're letting a world die and go to hell because we have lost sight of what our purpose is. Now, this is not to say that other issues don't matter. Because some do. It's not, and it's also not to say that the cure for everything in this world is just go soul winning, because it's, it's not. But it is to say that somewhere along the way, we have slipped in our priorities. We've let go of the rope that God has given us. We've disengaged from our greatest mission, and that is reaching a lost world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What we need to do tonight, what we need to do as a church, is we need to get back to our purpose. We need to get back this evening to the main thing, and the main thing is preaching the gospel to a lost and dying world. That is our focus. That is our purpose. That is our mission. Bob, hopefully he doesn't mind me bringing him up, but Bob has said many times, that, uh, talking to me, maybe even talking to you, that one indicator of a healthy church is not the size of a church, but the percentage of people who are serving within that church. And I agree with that statement. I, find, I tend to agree with that statement. But if you would allow me to amend it just a slight bit, I think the even greater um, indicator of a healthy church is not necessarily even the amount of people serving, but it's the amount of people or the percentage of people that are witnessing to others. You see, a, a spirit-filled Christian will always be a witness for Jesus Christ. You cannot be filled with the Spirit and not witness. It's not possible. And I'll tell you why I believe that, because we've been going through on Sunday mornings, and the teens are probably sick of the book of Acts, and I know my wife is sick of it because I, I don't make, I'm not as good going through it and, it, and it doesn't have points all the time, but we're going through the book of Acts. And I just got to tell you, I have loved studying the book of Acts. And it doesn't always come out when I teach. Sometimes I fall flat. It, it's It's true. But the book of Acts is a great book. And as I've been studying the book of Acts, do you know what I found? That every time someone was filled with the Spirit, one of the first things they did was share the gospel with someone. You go to Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 1. In Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And then the next word says, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I just want to tell you that verse 11 clarifies what speaking in tongues is. Thank goodness. Verse 11 of Acts chapter number 2 tells us that they weren't speaking gibberish. Verse 11 of Acts chapter number 2 tells us that they weren't speaking a heavenly language. No, the verse 11 of chapter number 2 of Acts chapter number 2 tells us, no, the tongues in which they were speaking were real earthly languages so that every man present heard in his native tongue the wonderful works of God. And in verse 14 of Acts chapter number 2, Peter will stand up, that apostle who had the, had the gift of sticking his foot in his mouth. But this time, he stands up full of the Holy Spirit. He's not Satan that needs to get behind Jesus anymore. He is full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. And he stands up in Acts chapter number 14, or not 14, Acts chapter number 2, in verse number 14, and he preaches a gospel message so powerful that 3,000 souls get saved in one day. Then you go over to Acts chapter number 3, and Peter and John are walking into the temple, and they come across the man who has been lame from birth. And, and the Bible says that they heal this man, and, and, and all the people are amazed, and all the people marvel. And what Peter does, he sees all the people gathering around, and again, being full of the Holy Ghost, stands up and preaches another gospel message. And at the end of that gospel message, 5,000 men get saved at one time. Then you go over to Acts chapter number 4. And I want you to look at this verse with me in Acts chapter number 4, in verse number 31. The Bible says, and when they had prayed, the church is praying, there's some hard times coming, there's some persecution coming, and so they gather together and they pray. And the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And watch what happens next. And they spake... The what? Word of God with all boldness. In Acts chapter 9 and verse number 17, Ananias, the Bible tells us, went his way. And he entered into the house where Saul was, and he puts his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18 says, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat and was strengthened, then Saul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. I could go on and on and on with examples of people who were filled with the Spirit who preached the gospel. But the point I want you to see is, if you are a spirit-filled Christian, you ought to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot be filled with the Spirit. And I don't mean Christ dwelling in you, because if you're saved, He always dwells in you. But I mean controlled by the Spirit. If you are controlled by the Spirit, you will share the gospel. Because the Spirit can't help but speak the things which it has heard and which it has seen. Over and over and over again, the early church proved that it was dedicated to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Everywhere they went, the gospel followed. And because of that, they were able, the Bible tells us, to turn the world upside down for Christ. We need to get back to that today. 
I mean, we got so many churches. We got churches on every corner. We got more churches than I think the apostles could have ever dreamed of having, but we're not making any impact on the world. It's because we're not about our Father's business. We're not doing what we've been called to do. We're, we're debating over pointless topics and, and, and sitting in comfy pews, but we're not out reaching the world with the gospel. And Paul wants to remind these believers, he says, listen, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or even in my own wisdom, for I determined to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's the focus. He's the mission. We need to keep our eyes on him, and we need to keep all eyes directed towards Jesus Christ and him crucified, because that is the goal. That is the purpose. Paul says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And when I came unto you, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 5 of chapter number 2, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, Paul says, I do all of this, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Listen, the Corinthians had all the tools to be a successful church. But Paul said, Paul said they came behind in no gift. They had all the gifts, all the talents, all the abilities, everything they needed to be a successful church, but they had forgotten what their purpose was. And so here Paul reminds them that it's not about the gifts. God didn't give you the gifts just so you could show them off. That's not what it's about. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the healings. It's not about, it's not about the lights. It's not about the pews. It's not about the facilities. It's not about the music. It's not about the order of service. It's not about the dress code. It's not about any of that. It's all about Jesus Christ and him crucified, Paul says. That's what it's about. And if you're going to church for any other reason than that, then when the things go, you go. But if you're here tonight because, you, because of Jesus Christ and him crucified, if you're here tonight because you have a personal relationship with him and you love him and you want to serve him and you want to live for him and you want to know him on a deeper level, then it doesn't matter tonight if we were sitting on cardboard boxes and had candles for lights, you'd still be here. Because that's what it's about. It's not about all the other stuff. It's not even about the programs. I'm glad we have Master Club. I'm glad we have a youth group. But church isn't about those things about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And Paul wants us to know, and Paul was determined to keep Christ a focus, and he wants us to know that we need to be determined to keep him our focus as well. A question. Does this mean that we should only preach the gospel and nothing else? Is Paul trying to say that the ch as a church we should never teach any other doctrines other than the doctrines of salvation? Is that what Paul's trying to say? Oh, of course not, because we're going to go on to study the rest of this book. It may take us years. I don't know. <laughs> but we're going to study the rest of this book, and you know what you're going to find? That Paul spends a great deal of time in this book and other books throughout the Bible that he wrote dealing with and dressing and teaching other doctrines and other issues. Paul, Paul's not saying, hey, you can't ever teach anything else. All Paul's simply trying to say is our main focus should be getting people the gospel. That's our purpose. Everything we do in church should be filtered through that purpose. The Sunday school classes we have, the ladies' activities, the men's retreats, the teen activities, the music, the, 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 the afterglows. Vacation Bible School, all of it should be done with the purpose of sharing the gospel. 
Philippians 1.27 says, only let your conversation, not just your speech, but your, your um, actions, your behavior, let your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. If I could sum up the purpose of the church, it would be that verse right there. To let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Everything you do, let it be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That we strive together to give the gospel. That's our purpose. And on that note, I've got to confess something. I've done a lousy job as a youth pastor at doing that. Lousy job. I've done my job. I've studied. I preach to the teens. I've done teen activities. I text the teens. I have a good time with the teens. I lead the choir. I, I, I do all sorts of things. But recently, I've gotten slack in my witness. I, I even stopped for, <laughs> we've even stopped going door-to-door soul winning. Some of you say, I don't believe in door-to-door soul winning, but the truth of the matter is Jesus did because he sent them out two by two to the doors. But I've gotten slack, and I could give you a bunch of excuses. I could say I got discouraged because I did. I could say it's discouraging to, on Saturdays coming and only seeing Bob's lovely face, my lovely face, my family's lovely face, and Nadia's lovely face. And I could say that's discouraging when only that many people show up and half of them are your family. And so I quit. I just said it's not worth it. Corporate outreach is just pointless. But God's been working on my heart through his word, and he's been saying, who cares who shows up? You just do what's right. Don't worry about you. Just share the gospel, because that is your purpose. And i got to tell you tonight, as my church family, and to God, I need to tell you tonight, I apologize, because I haven't been living up to that purpose. And I want to. I want to be a soul winner. I want to reach our community with the gospel. And I want to encourage you to be soul winners with me so that we can all reach the world with the gospel and fulfill the purpose that God has left for us so that we can turn Fort, at least turn Fort Mill upside down, if not the world, at least Fort Mill. But then secondly, not only are we as a church to preach the gospel, but I want you to notice secondly that Paul says we are also to equip the saints to preach the gospel. Or another way of putting it is we are to disciple other people. We are to be discipling each other. Look at what Paul says in verse number 6. Paul says in verse number 6, he's already reminded them that the church, or reminded this church that the main goal is preaching the gospel. He's already reminded them that the focus should be Jesus Christ and him crucified. But he says in verse 6, how be it, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now question, who is perfect? Is there anybody that's perfect? But Paul says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. What's he saying? The saved. Thank you, Swanti. We speak wisdom. We teach other things to those who are saved. Yet not the wisdom of this world. We don't teach them the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdoms, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, 
they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul says, yeah, we preach the gospel. That's our purpose. That's our focus. How be it for those who are saved, it's pointless just to preach to Ryland the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over and over again when he already knows it, he already believes that he's saved. He says, so to the saved, to the perfect, we then dig a little deeper. We then dive in and we disciple and we help grow in the, in the wisdom of God, in the hidden wisdom that God has revealed to us through his word. All that he wants us to know pertaining unto life and godliness is found in this book. And he says that we teach among the saved, that we teach among the purpose. In other words, we disciple. As a church, we disciple people. Again, this should not be news to anyone because Jesus told us to do this. The Great Commission that we call it says to go, to, therefore, to all nations and preach the gospel. It says to go, we're to preach, we're to see people saved, we're to give them the gospel, we're to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and when they get saved, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. But then, second part, we are to teach them to observe whatsoever He or I, Jesus said, have commanded you to do. That's discipleship. As a church, we ought to be discipling each other. We ought to be discipling new believers in the faith. Why? Why is that important? Why do we need to disciple anybody? Why can't we just say, you get saved, thank you, hallelujah, go your way? Why do we need to help them grow? Because we need them to grow to be mature Christians so that they too can preach the gospel to other people. We disciple so that they are mature in the faith, so they're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, so that when the storms come, they continue in the faith. Because I got news for you, the Christian life is hard. And if you don't have deep roots, if you're not rooted on the rock that is Jesus Christ and his word, when the storms come, you're gone. You're blown away. But if you're rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and his word, then you'll stand strong. You'll be like a tree that is planted by a spring of living water. And you can stand no matter what life throws at you, and you can be a witness for Jesus Christ to the next generation. Because if we don't pass that on, we're one, Christianity is one generation away from extinction. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says, And he, God, gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, that's discipleship, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we come in the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, until a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Paul says he gives us pastors. He's given us teachers. He's given us evangelists. He's given us all these gifts so that we can build one another up that we can't be tossed to and fro and that we stand strong and that we can continue to go on witnessing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. That's our purpose, to preach the gospel and to disciple believers 
to preach the gospel. It's very simple. Let me ask you something tonight. How are we doing? Are we fulfilling tonight as Bible Baptist Church, are we fulfilling the purpose God has placed us here for? Or have we gotten slack? Have we gotten so comfortable as a church that we have lost sight of our purpose? You know, there are many people tonight who don't know Christ. There are many people tonight who are on their way to a godless eternity in the lake of fire. There are so many people in this world who do not know that Jesus is the Son of God. They don't know that Jesus came and died on a cross for their sin and that he rose again from the grave and that he is coming back someday and that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There are people in the world today, there are people in this community, I promise you, who don't know that. And Jesus is, or Jesus and God the Father are in heaven right now saying as they did to Isaiah, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? How shall, they he, how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? How, how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Hey, listen, let's get back to the simplicity of the gospel. Let's get back to pointing others to Christ as a church. Let's get our focus back on where it should be. Let's get back on mission, back on, pur- on our purpose. And if you're here tonight or you're watching uh, via live stream and you, do, you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you. I know this is a Sunday night crowd, but it's possible that somebody's here and they've never trusted Christ as a Savior and they're just pretending that they have. Or that there's somebody that's going to watch this later who does not know Christ as your Savior. If that's you, there's never been a time where you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, where you have come to the altar, and not just this altar, you can pray anywhere, but you have come to the throne room of God and you have admitted that you're a sinner. That you have called out to him for help and said, Lord, save me. I believe that thou art the Son of God. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe that I am a sinner and that there is no way I can get to heaven But through you, please save me. If you've never done that, if there's never been a time where you've been born again, I want to encourage you to trust him today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For for with the um, heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto. And if you're not saved, listen, you can come talk to me, you can come talk to Bob, you can come talk to Pastor. We can't save you, but we would love to take a Bible. We would love to take God's Word, and we would love to show you how you can know that your sins are forgiven. How you can know that Jesus is your Savior. Every head bowed, every eyes closed, Miss Gwen will come. If you're here tonight and you say, Jacob, I don't know that I'm saved. There's never been a moment in my life where I've trusted Christ as my Savior. If that's you tonight, if there's anybody here, I don't know if there is, but if there's anybody here, would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. Is anybody here who say, I'm not saved? Maybe there's somebody watching via live stream and you say, I don't know. Let me encourage you to trust them tonight. Call us. We're available anytime. And for those of you who are saved, can I ask you a question tonight? 
Are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you being a light to this world? Are you intentionally building relationships to share the gospel?